can I bypass all the words? You really do want to find shortcuts. I do. And I said, the shortcut is curiosity. I was like, I can explain all of the ways to be curious and the blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but just being curious is take scaffolding. I know. So I said that shortcut and people are like, beautiful, awesome. And this one person who's actually a PhD professor in economics. So I don't know what that does for philosophy or thinking about like life and stuff like that. <laughs> so, so condescending. But it was like, she was like, way, way easier said than done. Way easier said you know, than done. And I was like, is it? I was like, is it easier said than done? I was like, that sounds easy. Just be curious. I want to, I want to be like, just do it. Just do it. No, I watched you struggle to be curious. Welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain, more curious life. I'm Scott. And I'm Mace. Welcome to episode 187. <laughs> I got really excited that we did just the normal intro. Not the crazy long um, Moses intro. Uh, welcome, everybody, to this episode, which we are titling Play 2. Play 2. Play the second two. episode on play. The second episode on play. Welcome, everybody. We are very excited um, a lot is in the room. We are here tonight to talk about play, which is fun because we've been on a 11 week. No. Yeah. 11 week journey. When did it start? Well, it started in November. Yeah. Everybody. First of all, I would just like to say in our little world of is <laughs> having a sip of canned rosé right now, um, in our little world of our st- analytics and statistics and numbers and listens. Mm, I was wondering if the Moses series was going to be a hit to the pod. Mm-hmm. Like maybe we would dip in listens and people would just, and I'm like totally worth it because we're going to have so much fun and it's totally a experiment. Yeah. But actually we've increased in listens and those Moses episodes did very well. So I'm like, maybe people aren't here for the normal content. <laughs> but they were here for the Moses stuff. <laughs> it's really weird. I want to say something about play. Right off the bat, like Tell here me. we go. Like for us, in terms of no small thing and what it represents, it started off as something that was two friends that can have long conversations about. It, I think, which actually we just proved before this episode, <laughs> talking about nonsense for like five hours, <laughs> not nonsense, but, but we really got into some stuff, and we're recording way later than we thought we would. But then, no small thing started to take a art approach and a psychoanalytic approach and all these concepts started. It's, it's like we came up with this concept, no small thing. And then the universe started meeting us halfway. Like we, we went out and, and concepts like curiosity, Mm -hmm. curiosity was, not a buzzword at the beginning. No, it wasn't. It was just, yeah. we're just talking about things. And all of a sudden it was like, Oh, curiosity. And that's now really the heart of what we're doing. And then, well, how do we get curious? I think we keep wondering, how do how, we be less certain, more curious? How, how, like I, I want to be people that do that for ourselves. Like, I think we are just sort of like feel sometimes like mad scientists, <laughs> mad scientists. Mad, mad. Key emphasis on the mad part. Yeah, really, truly. Like we're just bopping around in a laboratory with just wild experiments and losing our heads sometimes. And then maybe hopefully sharing some insights with people. <laughs> um, but then 
yeah, it's like, okay, it's one thing to say, okay, probably part of this for both of us, I would just say, see if this resonates with you. It's like, well, my parents weren't curious growing up. <laughs> and and this whole thing is just me wanting my parents to be more curious. That's an interesting <laughs> thought. That's an interesting thought. I don't know if I would agree with that. Well, it's for me. I mean, it's like I I I have this sense that if the world could be a little bit more curious, it would be a cure all. That's the help. That's yeah. The- that's fascinating. You know, it's it's also interesting. I'll just bring this up. Of uh, speaking of cure alls, I'm in a class. So like Scott was saying, there's all these like funny little I don't know universal like ticks that brought us into a certain direction, I would say. And one of them is Scott. Scott is the one that like really introduced me to psychoanalytic thought and theory. I got, I got this guy's perspective on that. (laughs) And, and now I, here I am studying it. And we recently, I'm in a class that we have to essentially say, what's our hopes for therapy? Like, what's your hopes? What's your hopes for people? What do you, what do you believe healing is? And I asked that of our assistant instructor and he said, my hope is for like, essentially like the hope is that people can like be more curious Mm -hmm. that, that people would be disillusioned from their certainty and be able to hold more curiosity. And I was like, so do you listen to no small thing? And it's this really interesting thing of like... Did you literally say it or did you think it? Oh, I thought it and I texted my friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it's this really interesting thing of like, we stumbled into this thought of like lesser, more curious. And as I really literally have to be writing a paper of like, what do I think is the best thing for human flourishing? And what do you think is help someone? I'm like, oh, well, I think it might be being less certain and more curious. And when we said it as a motto, it wasn't like, I don't think we had the conviction that we have now, but we knew we were onto something with that and we believed in it. I mean, it's like, there's all kinds of things. It's not like this is the thing, but it does feel like important Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. we value. Shoulder shrug, shoulder shrug, shoulder shrug. (laughs) Maybe shoulder shrugs in a row. Maybe, 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 maybe. maybe. All of a sudden, I have this voice that's like, "Well, I don't want anyone to think that I think this is the thing." Curiosity. Yeah, it's a god, right? I want to be like, I'm like, if you think there's something else, that's fine too. The gospel of curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole side note. Maybe I'll do a maybe I'll do a sidebar mini rant on. Conservative Christians. <laughs> you should. That, a <laughs> That'd whole be episode, playful. A whole episode <laughs> that you just rant. It's the exact opposite of playful conservative Christianity. But um, I've been really, I've been, I have a new hobby of engaging with conservative Christian Instagram accounts. It <laughs> sounds so what's silly. What's your latest hobby? Oh, <laughs> oh, I picked up reading books. Oh, I picked up crocheting. Scott, what's your newest hobby? Oh, I've, I've have an Instagram that really draws in conservative Christians who are mad at me. And so yeah. that's what I do on the side. No, but it's even worse. It's like, and I've told, I told Marissa, my wife lately, uh, like we were on this vacation. We just got back from yesterday and it was like, okay, look, you know, in seminary, or undergrad, people are sending you to the library to study all sorts of old ancient things. You got to sit there and find this book and read this thing and write this report. And to a certain extent, I feel like it's just social media and internet, obviously can be just another form of research. You don't need to be in the library. And it's like, I am really giving myself a crash course education on the mindset of 
a conservative Christian. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never immersed myself this deeply in it, but I've, I've been rebuked and admonished so many times. <laughs> it's so funny. Rebuke. I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I have a little bit of, it's so the opposite of what we're trying to do. I'm so in my own world now. And I'm like, Oh, I appreciate your perspective. I have a little pushback. I would, t- I would tweak it and say this way. And then, and then somebody will be like, I rebuke you with this verse and I admonish you with this. You should receive this rebuke, repent and change and receive the gospel. And I'm like, just, just like that, that's going to happen. Just repent. Nobody ever says, Oh, that's an interesting point. Or "Mm, let me think about that. They're like, you're wrong. Rebuke. Rebuke. I'm like the language they used to. I actually grew up in a fairly conservative Christian environment, but I don't think I've ever been rebuked before. It's really crazy. Part of me is just so entertained by it. I'm kind of entertained talking about it right now, but like it's the, I want to say to kick off play, it's the exact opposite of play. And I, and, and I, one of the things I keep trying to draw people's attention to, I'm like, where's the fruit? If we want to use old school Christian language, I'm like, what what if you have all of these right beliefs? Because all these people are like advocating for these really strict right beliefs, black and white, no outside the box has to be this way, or you will get rebuked. Yes. <laughs> um, and then I'm like, okay, so say you do this. Where's the fruit? I keep asking the question. I'm never given a really good answer. Like where is, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Where is all that? Well, it's all, this is all because this is keeping people. It's all of that gets shoved under the category of by rebuking and naming this truth, capital T truth, where people might be drawn into the, the truth. Yeah. And that therefore, if that happens, then they're getting love, joy, peace, all those things. Right. It's like, so set on this, this thing. I want to say for context, folks who are joining us, first off, we meander. Second of all, this I, is a Christian podcast. No, it's, I was about to say, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, oh, playful. I'm like, playful. Ooh, be playful, but we are not a Christian <laughs> podcast, but I will say for context, Scott and I, Scott is the director, co-director of an organization called Affirming Youth Ministries that is out here, follow them, Affirming Youth Ministries, follow at no small thing on Instagram. But Affirming (laughs) Youth Ministries is an organization that seeks to provide spaces of faith and exploration and spirituality and belonging for queer youth and allies. So you're putting yourself out there saying, hey, you can be queer and Christian and are getting rebuked for it. There's a lot of context (laughs) there. (laughs) Yeah, I keep getting told I'm a wolf. And like, I think we've heard this phrase said about other people, but I, I want to make a post about it of like being a sheep in wolf's clothing. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, people say I'm a wolf. I'm like, okay, so what's underneath love, acceptance, you know, curiosity, playfulness, joy, community. <laughs> you're yeah, you're a sheep what am I selling? <laughs> what's the big secret, scary <laughs> no, thing, seriously. you know, uh, it's so crazy. Okay. Well play. Okay. So play. So what do we want to This is, is going to be a much more playful episode on play than our first episode on play. Well, yeah. So if we go back and listen, we were fun and playful until I wasn't. No, 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 no. But, but I don't think we weren't. We, we were talking about play in a fairly, we were, we were fairly playful, but we were also getting really technical. Yeah, that might be true. Yeah. That might be true. And I don't know if I have anything to be technical about. I have one, I have one prompt of thought that I'm curious how it could go. Yeah, also, this is not going to be a long episode, everybody. So no, get, buckle so in for a nice, quick, breezy episode. Here we are, breezy. We'll invite you to play. Maybe it's because we intentionally are going to say, go play. Go play. <laughs> All right, what, what's your little prompt here? 
Um, so here's, so we also believe in free association here on this podcast and allowing ourselves to play with the topics. Okay. So here's the prompt. Think about this. Tell me your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Play is an experience of the real and the unreal. Mm -hmm. And now what? Now, now tell me what you think about that. Okay. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Because you know that if I get invited to do free association, I'll go Let me tell you, I want your perspective on that thought. (laughs) Okay, the the way I think about it is is sort of a reference to The Matrix. Okay. Yeah, you haven't seen The Matrix. I haven't seen The Matrix. So, like, gosh, it's like a really big reference point. Mace hasn't seen Fight Club Club or The Matrix. These are two big movies I need Mace to see very soon. Um, But so it's this idea that none of the stuff that's happening around us is real. And I know that sounds crazy. And I would have even said five years ago, I wouldn't have understood mm-hmm. that. It makes sense to me mm-hmm. and I can try to unpack it. And I want to go slow just in case somebody could be listening and be like, of course we, we already understand what he's saying, but, but the society, the world that we have set up is all based upon agreed upon language and meaning for symbols and yeah, pro- mostly everything. like it's, it's both unconscious and conscious explicit and implicit yeah. agreements we're making every second of the day. Yes. Yeah, time. So, time. Yes. An so, agreement. So if you think about in a very simplistic way, uh, and, and to a certain extent, we just have to say for me personally, and I think you agree with this or relate in a, a small way, I'll always be in dialogue with Christianity. Yeah, you so will. that's that's sort of what I'm I'm in dialogue with something that's saying reality and morality and truth come outside of our existence and it gets superimposed on us and just like like the like the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. it comes from oh, somewhere yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 it's it's unarguable and and there, it didn't come from human thought God brought it down and handed it to us and that is there's no discussion. That's just it. And so all that to say, I'm saying like, so if you take a very simplistic version of just a, any sort of game, a game is a, a, the best way of saying it. Is a game real? Yes, a game is real. And but, but it's also created by a human and we're participating it with our own free will. And so life is similar. It sounds crazy, but it's like, do all these things exist? Yes, literally they exist. A car, you can go up and touch it. I'm holding a glass. I'm touching it. But like, I'm also... I mean, everything has infinite depth. I'm also playing the game of what this cup represents. I'm what saying, it is, yeah. I am choosing, yes, to go along with what society told me to do with this object, which is put liquid in it and drink from it. It's a game. And so it's real and not real at the same time. I could choose to not have this be a glass. I could have it be a little platform that I, you know, display little trinkets on top of. I, I say you this is You could always like have it upside down and yeah. you could use it for... Yeah, all kinds of things. I can I can use it as a knee guard. <laughs> <laughs> this cup, what's that right there on your knee? The knee guard. Oh, that's my knee guard. Which oh, really? is why it's so fun when you think of like this video. I think we've checked out a few times where Slavo Sizek, you know, takes his kitchen and he says, "Oh yeah, oh well, I'm putting I'm I'm putting all my underwear and clothes in the in, kitchen in the kitchen." Yeah. So what? And 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 he's probably having fun. He's being playful. He's twisting things on. No, their and head. I instantly am like, well, what are you going to do when you're cooking? But it's like, well, so what? This so is, what? Who cares? So yeah, when you say real and unreal, I automatically go to that. I'm like, it's really, it's really a trip when you start to just look around you and go, there's a lot being held in place by all of our agreed upon assumptions about what this all is. 
No, when we start to take all around and we start to go, maybe it's not all that we're, maybe, maybe there's a lot of unreal elements to our real experience. Mm -hmm. Then bing, anxiety enters the room. Mm -hmm. Like instantly it's like, well, how do we tolerate that then? If you're telling me that this isn't actually real. That it's also unreal, which I think is where the paradox is fun. I want to also give credit where credit's due. This paradox comes from our boy, Winnie. Our boy, Winnie. D.W. Winnicott. <laughs> What's his first name? Donald? Donald. Donald. Donald Wood. <laughs> I don't know. Donald, I'm just look it up. Donald w- Wood. Wilford. Wilfred <laughs> Winnicott. Um, this is looking in the book. I don't know if it's going to say. I feel like it's a Wikipedia. No, I think you're right because it does say D.W. D.W. Winnicott. But it's Donald, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, okay, so... Dr. Uh, Winnicott. What? Dr. Winnicott. Is he a doctor? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, you don't think he no, has he his is, PhD? No, he, I think he, well, no, he's a pediatrician, so that makes him a doctor, Okay, I guess. Anyways, uh, it's probably, it's really and unreal. Yeah. Being a, being a doctor, having your PhD, yeah. real and unreal. Um, but well, I had a thought. Ah. Dang it. Real and unreal. Real, unreal... Uh, Donald Winnicott uh, came up with the concept. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to give credit. That wasn't what my thought was. Should I just talk until you remember, or mm-hmm. should we wait? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I will just say I, I want to say to like set the tone, in a, and again, in a very not technical explanation of my understanding of play, we're not saying anybody listening <laughs> play in a casual sense, although it is casual. Like play meaning I'm playing a game. Yes. Play is also a grand capital P technical term for sort of a state that you can get into or you're invited to get into where you're in a flow state. So it's like an attitude of sorts. Yeah. I mean, you could say our participation in life and society is a flow state of sorts. It is a grand play. Wake up. Yes. It's like, you know, the Truman show. I wake up and I am a human and I'm putting on clothes and I'm driving my car and I'm using words. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm playing the game. Yeah. I'm playing the game of yeah. life. Yeah. I'm going to the grocery store. I'm using money. Money? What? Yeah. yeah. Here's my money. Here's my credit card. Like we're I'm participating. So it involves a certain level of participation. But then on a, another deeper, denser level, I think play could say now and this is where I am sort of with Christianity and this is where it gets really matrixy. Mm-hmm. Now I've seen that. Mm-hmm. And now I now also what? get to push on the reality. I get to say, here's a new idea. Here's something new that you could do with that. Here's something extra Yes, yes. to add to the system. Yes. So this is, this wasn't my point, but this is where I'm like, Oh, I want you to ask me. And then I'm like, well, I can just say it myself without being asked. <laughs> Do you want me to ask you something? What? <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. There's a part of me that's like, I want you to ask me, what's the value of play? Why, why oh, center play? Let's just really do it really quick. Okay, do it. Well, I'm, I'm glad I really got to share some of those thoughts. But the thing that's really been on my <laughs> mind is I've been thinking, Mace, I really want to know from your perspective, what is the value of play? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you want to know like why we would make it a topic? Why we would talk about it? Oh, sure. sure, I can totally answer that. I have thoughts. (laughs) Good. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. (laughs) Okay. So here we are. We're a lesser and more curious podcast. And we, I think are like, what are hacks to curiosity? Mm -hmm. Well, I think we've come up with, and I don't even think we've come up with them. I think they're already there of these notions that can help bring us towards being more curious. 
And I would say playfulness, having a play, a perspective of play allows, open, it's like it, it opens the door. It cracks something open to start allowing more in. So I would say like a key word that comes up from my mind when I think of like what the value of play is. And I'm currently a student right now and it is like painful when we stop playing as a class Mm. and we become rigid and it's incredible when we play because then we're flexible. Like the word that comes to mind is when you can start playing with things and play around and get in this flow state and things are no longer so tightly bound to being real, but there's an element of the unreal that you're all signing on to, that you're allowing in, that you're, you're saying is part of this experience, then all of a sudden you can be way more flexible. Oh, Today, it's so good. It's so wanted. I'll, I'll, give, I want I'll it. give a slight example <laughs> of like, so <laughs> I dream of being a play therapist one day, full fledged dream of mine. And we'll see how this pod is in a year because I'm interviewing at all play therapy places. So that's hopefully in the next six months, I'll be literally being a play therapist. But anyways, today I was playing with a kid and this kid kept bringing up to me wood chips and I would go I've already told you this I would go oh what is that and he would whisper really quietly cheese cheese and I would go oh you're making you got you made me cheese and he's like yes and I'd take the cheese and I'd eat it the wood chip and he kept bringing over more and more and more items now there is a real element to this He's bringing me cheese. We're connecting. I'm eating. He's giving me a part of himself, something he's crafted. It's like he's found these wood chips. This is incredibly real. And also, we both know these aren't, this isn't cheese. This isn't edible. This isn't, I'm not molded I'm, cow's milk. I'm making mm. sounds like I'm eating, but it's unreal. But because we're playing, we're flexible. And There's this sense of, yeah. we can, you can then say, I can say, oh, what if I want cheese pizza? Can this be cheese pizza? And he goes, yeah. And all of a sudden it's cheese pizza. Or he goes, no, and takes it and does something else. And now it becomes cheese pizza. It's like, because we know we're playing, we can be flexible and say, it's not like he's like, well, actually this is a log. So this isn't cheese. You know, <laughs> if, if, if he, this kid came up to me and was like, here you go. And I'm like, thanks for this log. I've lost an opportunity. If he comes up and hands me something and I go, what is this? And he goes, it's cheese. Then now we can enter into this flexible place of like, oh, this is cheese. What should I do with the cheese? It's like lost its rigidity. Or I could be like, no, this is actually a log. So, right. And sorry. I think one thing we missed also is like, there is a human element to this of like, everybody is invited to approach life in a playful state. Right. Like just to be creative in your workspace. I would say like, for the corporate environment <laughs> as much as I hate saying that, like everybody could benefit from play and, and just in your personal life and your relationships. But like, you're also bringing this idea of like the therapeutic context too. And especially play therapy with kids. It's like something is also being said to you about the very real inner world of a kid when oh, they're coming sure. to you with a play and that's real. No, it's super, no, I mean, it's very real because then it's also like he's giving me a part. I mean, I could instantly start seeing he's giving me a part of himself. He lets me give it back to him. He hands me a ton of it. I take a bite. He takes a bite. We're now bonding about this together. There's like an eating element. 
But what I would also say that this is now bringing to mind because you brought in corporate and I'm like, okay, well, let's give a different example than corporate. Let's play around with other examples of like, I bring, I brought that example up more in the sense of what flexibility happens with play. And I think children in that kind of like very, almost like concrete example of like, look at this. This is very obviously both real and unreal. Yeah. But it's like, as soon as we start to get things that are more heavy quotes adults or more what we think have become rigidly real, we stop remembering the unreal. And so we become more rigid. And yes, it's like, yes, I want to capture that sentence and freeze it. And yes, I want to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> we'll go back. It's at the 23 minute mark. Scott, remember that's I it. I will remember. I will have that. I'll put that on a t-shirt. Scott's going to be walking around with some t-shirt. I don't know what I said, but, <laughs> right, go back and find but it. it is this sense of like, okay, so in that concrete place we're we're able to see play but mm-hmm. we forget that we're playing as adults mm-hmm. so we stick to the rigidity mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. i think that there is this element yes. of like you're saying corporate it's like sure corporate too but also like politically yeah and like what we're doing in terms of human care what we're doing with how we see kinship what we're doing with how we see the family what we're like Every you could start to look at everything and be like, "Where's the flexibility?" Like, yeah. I think that's the word that pops into my mind so much is like, if you're playing, then you can start to be flexible with things. You can start to see something as both yes, and I mean, I think it's really ironic because Scott and I did have like a really long conversation before this, and I was struggling to play, and mm-hmm. there is so was I because there is this sense of it's hard to be flexible when we're so rigid. Like it's hard to be flexible when we're having, we're, we're, I think we're more, I think here's a thought. I think it's heavy quote safer and easier for our brains for us to a, just not want to hold the paradox. So we, we split, we either go, this is all not real or we go, this is all real. And I think the real challenge of play is to hold that paradox. There it is. is. To hold the line of the both. That's it. So we get out of the split state and we stay in the gray, flexible play space. The That's gray, very everybody. very complicated. Uh, yes. Harkening back to our Moses days. Harkening back to Moses Sumney. That's it. That's the episode. I mean, I think that is like, if people could just go back and rewind whatever you just said, and they're really looking for the us to land the plane, that's it. You landed the plane, and now we can just pop off and keep talking. But like... And and if you were a little confused or it was a little overwhelming, just go back and rewind that and play it a few more times. Play that sentence or that little description because that's it. It's holding the tension of the real and the unreal and not taking it so seriously. And again, like let me let me just let me just use it as a little example of 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 the in, the, the lack of play. And it's like the these these Christian <laughs> oh my Christians god Scott cannot here. this is the example of the night We're, I it's it's just like I actually think over the course of history Christianity in general has been heavy quotes playful with the Bible mm-hmm. and then some people haven't and I'm just utterly first of all shocked that anybody could walk around as an adult thinking that they have the Bible figured out but I do think. They, they sense a sense of security by th- saying it's backed up by centuries of interpretation and orthodoxy. And, uh, and I hear this all the time. This has never been questioned, you know, 
sexuality. As if the rabbis didn't literally right. have a tradition of exactly. play they were, they where were the playing. text was there and they yes. would discuss and argue and come Sounds up with so fun. stories around it. Yeah. yeah. As if the, the tradition is not playing yeah. with the text. I almost went into it as real like a, and not real, so you can be flexible with it. Yes, I almost did an interpretation or like an, an impersonation of a rabbi, but I'm not Don't going do it. to. I will not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just like I, 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 I really pity these people. Of like, okay, let me say it this way. Here, here I'll say it this way. Okay, let's let's say let's pretend. What are I'm, we saying? Here? I'm very sensitive to your very rigid take on truth and philosophy and theology and ultimate reality. You have it all figured out. You've read all the books. There is no, there is no challenge of your worldview. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I mm-hmm. appreciate that. What I'm saying in terms of play, and, and I think what we're saying in terms of like creating a container, mm-hmm. and we almost talk, we did talk a little bit about this, how this keeps coming up in your classes of like, let's use, let's use sex as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. You sort of lose yourself. Mm-hmm. You just give it all up. Mm-hmm. You get, you, I mean, it's like maybe the ultimate form of play to a certain extent. I mean, cause there's so many great stand up bits I've heard over the years of like the state of, of mind you're in after sex. You're like, what the hell was that? No, I mean, it's the fucking weirdest thing. It's yeah. like, why is this what it is? Yeah. And here we are. And it's like, so pleasurable. I mean, I, you know me, I think it's hilarious. Yeah. You like, and I are different. I think sex like, is so funny. I can get into that in retrospect. I, I can't, I don't want to be laughing in the middle of it. I sometimes do. <laughs> <laughs> but like, <laughs> um, maybe, maybe that needs to be part of it. I mean, I've, I've read, I've <laughs> once we're talking about sex, everything sounds really funny. I've read books, <laughs> I've read, read books, books about books. sex. Um, like where I think playfulness and laughter is a, a part of good sex. Um, but having said that, it is, it is sort of a, a getting lost mm-hmm. in a container and an activity. And there's a beginning and an end, and there's a before and after. All I'm saying is what I, what, I, what I would like for these people, and I've heard that sex changes you. It changes the relationship. It changes you. It changes you mentally, physiologically, all that stuff. Yes. I've heard. I've heard it said. Scott's read books on sex, guys. So Fat sex. I've read books. That's, that's so funny. This is such a funny conversation. But... Um, uh, <laughs> it sounds like some sort of like, I don't know. Everything I'm going to say is going to sound cringy in conversations about sex, but like some sort of like 15 year old teenager who hasn't had sex, who's but like, like, he's like hey, guys. theoretically reading about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so all that to say is like, okay, ho- ho- I want to say to some people, hold fast to your beliefs. I appreciate that. Respect your beliefs. Let's just Play around for 30 minutes. Right. Get out of that realm and that dimension. Let's just have a conversation. And for 30 minutes, you can entertain a different perspective than your own. Yes, yes. I think yes, yes, yes to that. Yes, 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 And also with that will come anxiety. Right. I think that's the thing that needs to be I don't have as much sensitivity to that. That's my blind spot. Yes. Yeah. I think that that's something that is like should be named is an unnamed anxiety will enter the room because now you're navigating a very tricky space. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And there could be it's anxiety and excitement, right? It's thrill. And it's also scary and destabilizing if you especially don't have practice with it. Yeah. I said something on my Facebook like three years ago that I was like, Oh, let me help everybody understand. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to shortcut things and maybe that's, maybe that's not a fair thing to want to do. 
because that's like, maybe that's why we have master's level courses where there's whole courses of words that are shared over hours and hours of time. And I'm like, can I just bottom line it for someone? Can I bypass all the words? You really do want to find shortcuts. I do. And I said, the shortcut is curiosity. I was like, I can explain all of the ways to be curious and the blah, blah, blah. And it's like, just being curious is take scaffolding. I know. So I said that shortcut and people are like, beautiful, awesome. And this one person who's actually a PhD professor in economics. I don't know what that does for philosophy or thinking about like life and stuff like that. (laughs) That's so condescending. (laughs) But it was like, she was like way, way easier said than done. Way easier said than done. And I was like, is it? I yes. was like, is it easier said than done? Yes. I was like, that sounds easy. Just be curious. I want to, I want to be like, just do it. No. Just do it. No, I watch you struggle to be curious. <laughs> okay. So I have limits. <laughs> I have limits. <laughs> I feel like there is a part of us that's even right now. Like I know that you are curious about like conservative Christians, but I'm, I also have just been thinking a lot about like, <laughs> Curious about conservative questions. Uh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I am really curious. Oh, you no, know, I know you are really curious. <laughs> but <laughs> there is an interesting, I'm, I'm aware of a split that's happened. Yeah. Of like, they're With the ones me? that aren't curious. Oh, right. They're the for ones sure. who aren't playful. I'm playful. Yeah. I say these progressives things. Progressives are playful. Pro- no, progressives are playful. Which we are, like, we which know aren't progressives true. Progressives are not playful. <laughs> and leftists. Leftists aren't playful. I nope. mean, nobody, I mean, we're all playful and we're not. Mm-hmm. Again, it's mm-hmm. the real and the unreal. We're mm-hmm. all these things and we're not. Mm-hmm. Like the second you start to think that someone else isn't it or is it and you are, yeah. it's like, well, there's probably something that you're missing too, right, you know? Right. And I think that that's this area of like, I, I just have been thinking a lot about splitting and like, it's so funny that we've done, we've done now two episodes on splitting and I'm like, I could do right seven more. Like, let's do I, it. I think splitting is kind of the, the base. The That's going to be the next like residency. Moses Sumney and now splitting. seven weeks of splitting. Honestly, though, we could. We really could. I feel people, like that's people actually. People are going, no, please, no. No, no, no more splitting. No more. But I do think splitting is actually the base of like why we say, like when you say less certain, more curious, we're literally saying less splitting, more depressive. Okay. 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 So, so, so for, for people listening and for me and for me, explain yourself. Explain yourself. <laughs> well, first of all, explain splitting and explain what you mean by depressive because I need a little refresher. I would say, okay, here's here's my brief thought on it. And I'll try and be brief. You know, we've got uh, 12 minutes. Well, okay. So, and this is just a theory. And I want to propose and begin by saying all theories are wrong. This is absolute truth. And we're playing with something here. So I think this is a really, here's a quick thought. <laughs> I'm like, got to give my thoughts quickly. We don't have to finish exactly Um Okay, so I this is a fun thought that I've enjoyed of like, <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about the theories of development, theories of how we come to be, theories of what makes a mind, theories of what's happening in your early stages and how you are now and how that affected you and how your brain works, how you think. I think all of these theories are really just us trying to grasp something. None of them are real. And to some degree, we often look back and we look at like infancy and early childhood as in looking at what's happening there to understand how, why we as adults functions the way we do and have the certain like 
responses we have to things and yeah. personalities that we have and whatnot. Yeah. And I think a playful way to look at these theories is as cosmologies, which are creation stories. Yes. So I'll enter in with saying Already that. Already super pumped about that, where you're going. It's really fun to then say, oh, this isn't like a theory that's like, oh my gosh, this theory is truth. But it's like, wow, we look at creation myths and we know they're myths. You know, Adam and Eve. Wow. No, some Adam people and don't Eve, know. Okay, well, we, <laughs> we, we play with them as myths. They have the potential to be myths where they become a story that helps us to understand who we are and where we came from and why we function the way we do. So you could play with Adam and Eve as a cosmology and see oh, I that love what story you're saying. as like, wow, what does people writing a story about their creation say about what they're trying to make sense of in their present? Oh, yes, 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 so yes, yes. So yes. here is an introduction to a potential cosmology that is through the lens of object relations theory that talks about... <laughs> cosmology through the lens of object relations theory 101 with Mace Mooney. So, so object relations theory is too complex to explain, but it's essentially like a, a field of theory born out of the psychoanalytic school. And there's a huge emphasis around infancy. So that's where like the cosmology, it's like, emphasis on your creation story and huge emphasis on your first 12 years of life or 12 months of life. Melanie Klein is kind of like the, 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 I wouldn't, I don't think founder, but like the earliest theorist who started shifting Freud's thoughts on human development in their mind and started moving towards this kind of transitional way of thinking. And the, the, the premise of it is that we're object seeking people so our who we are is formed out of essentially our relationships and we're driven by the need towards our objects which are relationships so she proposes that in early infancy there are essentially what she calls positions and i think that these are okay got it it's position theory that's essentially i'm trying to explain and i think that this is where less certain more curious is really more probably like less paranoid, schizoid, more depressive. So she proposes that there is these positions in infancy that are, I think I'm getting too too heady here. But just to add a little humor, I mean, to Peter Rollins will always say, I'm not trying to say you're depressed. I'm not trying to make you depressed. I'm trying to say you're already depressed. You just don't know it yet. Yes. No, <laughs> I know. It's like really true. I mean, like what I want to say is like the depressive position is a healthy position. Right. It's not depression. It's the depressive position. So I'll explain that position. So please explain it. So you're born and you have, (laughs) here you are, you're an infant and you are attached to your caretakers. Yeah. So in many degrees, you are in a way like one with your caretakers. You, you don't have a sense of who you are. Winnicott, who talks about play a lot, talks about how in your early infancy, you are in this very strange paradox. So again, paradox of you are omnipotent and also completely helpless. Okay. So, okay. Okay. Well, let's be playful for a quick second. Cause yes. you do this. Yes. You, 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 this is a word that you say. Omnipotent? <laughs> omnipotent. Omnipotent. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with words, but also I feel like omnipotent is actually saying the thing better. I know. It is. It might be. It's like it might potent, be in a playful all way. It is. All, I have all potentness. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you are both omnipotent or omnipotent. <laughs> or. Whichever you prefer. Yeah, we're creating a new word. There we go. Whichever you prefer. We're being playful. And completely helpless. Yes. So what I mean by that is as an infant, you're hungry. 
mm-hmm. you cry. Boob comes. Bam. Get it. There it is. I made that happen. Yeah. Also, you're helpless. Right. That's you wild. You need that boob to come. Yeah. You know, you need that milk to come. So you're in this paradox right there of like this, your sense is everything happens because I do it. I'm the center of the world and yeah. everything is me. Mm-hmm. Like everything is me. Mm-hmm. And this would be considered a pre-object position. Okay. So here you Honestly, are. Let me just say, this is literally what I was trying to explain at the end of the last episode that we never got no, around to. So this is we a have better to go version back. of it. No, that's so bad. <laughs> I am embarrassed for myself in my past This life. is it. I mean, I mean, I didn't, we didn't even plan on talking about this, but I'm like, this is it. That's so funny. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> One day, not tonight, but we'll go back and I won't get defensive. <laughs> I say that now. Um, okay. So that's considered the pre-object position. Mm-hmm. So, we haven't reached the paranoid schizoid position. So now we move into starting to see things as heavy quotes, part objects in your early infancy. You start to see things as like, oh, the breast comes and the breast is good or bad. And we're trying to organize what is me and what is not me. Yeah. And things become essentially part objects. So they're not considered to be a whole object. They're a part of you. But there's, I've been having a hard time explaining this, but essentially in this position, you start to, it's called the paranoid schizoid position. And it's where you developmentally start to create the task of splitting, which is a developmental task. It is a good thing to start splitting. It's essentially organizing the world for you. It's split, saying split, 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 it's split. split. No, exactly. You're experiencing the whole world is splitting. And what you start to do is you start to say, Oh, something's happening in me. You split something off from yourself. You project it into the other. Now you don't, you're still <laughs> figuring you're out saying big things. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. You project it into the other. Sure. I'm tracking. <laughs> Everybody knows what that means. Are you tracking or should I say that? But I, but I know I can, I can tell if it was a casual listener just happening here for the I first know, time. I know. I feel like I shouldn't have done this. No, you asked good. me. No, 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 no. It's a thorny, beautiful, hectic, uh, rich tapestry of words. I'm trying to explain something that I'm still figuring out. If, if people are, if people are popping off to this, you can, if you, if you don't understand projection, just go look it up. But like, I think Wait. one of the things pause in terms of like splitting, which you, you probably will get to ultimate in terms of like splitting in this depressive state it, it just to, for, for a finale of an explanation. But like, I think that was an aha moment for me when I was watching a lecture recently with you, which was that like there, there first of all is many different forms of splitting, which when we were first learning about splitting everybody, we've been on a journey. We a did, journey. we did an episode on splitting probably like three years ago. And here we are talking about it again at the time I was like, Oh, it's just, taking a concept that's overwhelmingly complex and making it into sort of black and white. Yeah. yeah. Right and wrong. And it, it, that, that gives your, your mind some peace to like make sense of the chaos and watching this lecture. It was like, Oh, we do many, 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 many splits and also so many different types of splitting. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> splitting is way more complicated. Everything is more complicated. Eventually yeah. everything is. Yeah. Well, and again, also none of this is real and it is real. Back to reminding <laughs> us of that. This podcast is just one giant. Like splitting is not know. real and splitting is real. You I know what I mean? Like, like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're every, every time, I mean, to a certain extent, the podcast is the ultimate Lucy with the football. It's like every time we're 
about to set up a point where you're like, what? But what's reality? <laughs> Never mind. And people are like tracking, splitting. Okay, projection. I think I understand. Ah, but but it's it, a nope. But it, no, no. it solidifies it almost. It solidifies no, the point of like splitting. I mean, we're not actually splitting, but we're coming up with language to try and make sense. Yeah. And it's real and unreal. It's a real thing. It has phenomenological effects. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, it impacts the way we interact in the world. I'm completely immersed. And it's not real. <laughs> so it's a theory. It's a theory. All theories suck. It's a cosmology. <laughs> this is this feels self-indulgent. <laughs> but isn't it fun when you can say a theory is real and not real and then you can play with it? All of a sudden Absolutely. we're more flexible in the theory because Absolutely. we're not tied to it. Yeah. You know? I, I will say side note. Yes. I'm continuing to ruin your flow, sorry, but like I was reading Artist Way this week and she was saying write down five luxuries in your life. And I think the challenge was like, maybe you don't even have any luxuries. Yeah. And I was sitting there thinking like, what are, what are my luxuries? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I I said, bam, number one, no small thing is a luxury. Boom, a luxury. Like this feels so luxurious being able to just like. No, I know. Meander. And somebody said like, oh, it's self-indulgent. I'm like, it is self-indulgent. I'm having fun. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It is self-indulgent. No, I know. I, I was in a grumpy mood before you recorded and I'm glad we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> Scott knew it the whole time. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> Scott's sitting here like, yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, so splitting. Mm-hmm. Should I keep going in the paranoid schizoid? Please, please, please. Okay, so essentially in this time of life, you are trying to make sense of, you're having all kinds of also anxiety. This is also, I, I time of life. go what, into what this. What time are we? Are we at seven months? Oh, we're between three to, I mean, also all of it's arbitrary. First off, I believe it's all kind of arbitrary, but- uh, I would say we're around three to six months, okay. three to six months. Um, you're trying to make sense of the world. So you start essentially splitting. And so one way to think about it is like you start doing things like something becomes an ideal object or, uh, what's the opposite of an ideal thing? I don't know. The worst, <laughs> the worst, very technical intellectual term. It's like, Oh, I can't maintain that I, I'm still making sense of things. I must be all good. This thing that's like the breast didn't come soon enough for me. Mm -hmm. The food didn't come soon enough. The diaper didn't change fast enough. Mm -hmm. That's the bad thing. I split it off. Then I experienced someone coming towards me. I can't believe that I just shit my diaper. Yeah. I split that off because I must maintain my idealness. So it gets split and that thing becomes the bad object. So I maintain my goodness because they become the bad thing. And that's a way of organizing and making sense of the world and keeping our cell, like as an infant, kind of keeping yourself in an okay state. You may also end up doing the thing where you become the bad object and they're the ideal object or vice versa. Mm -hmm. But you're Mm -hmm. starting to organize and things get organized into very clear patterns of good and bad, ideal, not ideal, like this sense of grand, not grand. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you start to kind of This is where, so that's in what's called a part object state. So you don't see things as whole objects. Things must be split off from their wholeness and become part objects. Something cannot be wholly both good and bad. It must be split. So, so I can make sense of it and organize it. Then you, what is considered another developmental task is you enter into the depressive position. Okay. Okay. Here we go. So the depressive position is not depression, although it is 
paired with mourning and grief. Would it it also be fair to say melancholy? Yes, it would be very fair to say melancholy. A little sip of wine. So (laughs) a little sip of wine for that melancholy right there. So the depressive position is, and and it's this interesting thing where it's like, if you're, when you're parenting an infant, these parts of you get incredibly enacted. So when your infant is in the paranoid schizoid position, it actually, sir, you will also be brought into it of sorts. Oh, ouch. That is phenomenal. I think that's phenomenologically happened. Of course. And so then it also becomes the task of the caretaker to help bring into the depressive position. So the depressive position is now what considered you're thinking on a whole object level. You start to see that this parent, this caretaker is not a part of me. It is a whole object. That is a thing. Things are both good and bad. And no, no, no. That's depressing. That That is depressing because it's full of ambiguity. Yeah. It's full of confusion. All of a sudden you're realizing this object. So say you and your split off mind decided to say, I'm the ideal object and this caretaker is the bad object and you've been fighting against it, heavy quotes. And there's a lot of theory and people have lots of thoughts about this, but like you come to hate the object that's caretaking for you because you need to maintain your sense of idealness. If you move into the depressive position, all of a sudden this thing you've hated and felt murderous thoughts towards, you are now realizing is the good thing taking care of you. Ah. So then with it comes the grief of the hating. No, and no, the no. the confusion that came with it. No, that. no, no. We don't, we want to forget that. We don't want that. We want to start so drinking we alcohol. Us, exactly. So we want to maintain <laughs> our paranoid schizoid position. The paranoid schizoid position is heavy quotes safer. The paranoid schizoid keeps us feeling ideal or it keeps others feeling ideal. Yeah. So less certain, more curious. (laughs) Let me bring it to that. Uh, Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Less certain, more curious. Mic drop. (laughs) Certainty is in many ways a condition of being. And so this is like, again, we're looking at cosmologies. Okay. We have these stages that happen. (laughs) You're you're setting up. This is a great comeback. You're setting up so many juicy things. I'm, I'm, I'm like feeling tantalized right now. (laughs) So we, I want to, now I want an episode on cosmologies and also none of these episodes are ever satisfying. (laughs) I'm like, I mean, we just did 11 weeks on Moses and I'm like, not satisfied. No, you weren't. You were like, we could do more. We we could, I want another. And I'm like, we got to go on. We We got to go on. We got to be done. So, (laughs) so thinking cosmology, there's not like this sense of, Oh my gosh. So, so then there's the depressive position and then, then we get into other theorists who talk about post-depressive position, transcendental position, not going to get into them. (laughs) What I will say is, and this is why I think position is a great name for this because it's not like, Oh, this sense of developmental time. It's. Everybody, you don't know this, but we just got interrupted by some late night texts from my teenage kids. I was going to say kids, but they're not really kids. So I'm going to try and find my flow again. Get your flow state going. Okay. Less certain, more curious, depressive or paranoid schizoid depressive. Yeah. Oh, oh, I think I remember my flow was. 
this idea of these being positions. I think that's a great word for what's being said here because it's not like this sense of, oh, you passed this developmental stage. It's like, oh, we have paranoid schizoid positions and we have depressive positions. And in each of these positions is different ways in which we're starting to see things. I think we all fall into these positions easily. I think that generally most heavy quotes, I don't even know if I believe in the word healthy, but I would say most folks are often are just living in the vacillation between paranoid schizoid and depressive position. I think that's just the everyday general. folks, everyday folks are just constantly going back and forth between these positions. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you could close your eyes right now and find a moment where you can relate to feeling this position of the paranoid schizoid from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed. There's probably a moment in there that you can find. Oh yes. That happen. Fluctuation. Then there's probably a moment that you can find where you are in the depressive position where you're holding the gray, you're maybe feeling mourning, you're maybe realizing something's whole, there's there's probably that position. I think <laughs> the certainty is really a stuckness in the paranoid schizoid position. A oh, stuckness there. Oh, okay, and keep I, going, keep going. You're preaching, you're less preaching. Certain, more curious is a it. movement towards depressive and then potentially there is a sense of like, and there's more beyond the depressive if you allow it, which is like called the like transcendental. And it's allowing yourself to symbolize things and create metaphors and start to make meaning and all of those things that start to happen. Oh, this is so good. But it's, you can't be stuck in the paranoid schizoid. Now I'm not saying we, we Scott and I joke all the time of like lesser or more curious. Well, we're constantly, constantly struggling with certainty. Mm -hmm. Certainty is there always beckoning us, always calling us towards it. And it happens. There's moments where we are certain. And also (laughs) there is a pull towards saying, let's move into the more curious place. There is coming alongside that grief. Things are whole. Things are harder. Things are more complex. Things are more ambiguous. Ambiguous? Ambiguous. uh, uh, But I also like it when we invent new words. Ambiguous. Ambiguous. That's like a gooey ambiguity. Ambiguous. Omnipotence. Gooey ambiguity. <laughs> and I think that that's something that happens in play spaces as well. Yeah. So back to me saying that if you start playing, you're going to get anxious. Oh. Well, if you start playing and start holding the real and the unreal, all of a sudden things are not split. All of a sudden, things are not as certain. All of a sudden, there is a new energy in the air of things are whole. And I have to take their wholeness into account. And something is not the ideal, like an ideal thing. So like, I think even we could play with this idea of theory. I am someone who really struggles not getting into a paranoid schizoid certain position around theory. I get excited about a theory. I get excited about an idea, a value system, a belief system. And I kind of get high off of it. I go, oh my gosh, this is the thing. This is it. And then the thing isn't the ideal thing. And it crumbles my world. 
Yeah. It becomes so hard. And I could maintain a depressive position where I go, wow, this thing is maybe good and bad. But I tend to boomerang back to going, the theory that I once thought was good is now all bad because I can't maintain it being good and bad at the same time. Mm. <laughs> so it's like, oh, what if I'm invited to play and say, keep it in the gray. Mm-hmm. Keep it in that playful place where it is both good and bad. It is both real and unreal. And then we can start to be flexible with it. Then I can start to use it for things that are valuable and know that it's not the catch-all. And that actually adds value to it when it isn't the catch-all rigidly held down by needing to be that. Gold. That. Price of admission. <laughs> this is This is just... Everything I would have wanted on a uh, on an episode on play. I mean, this is like took it to a place way beyond play, way different than play. I think it's related. No, no, it's more than related. That is play. I think that's that's Winnicott. Like it's 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 literally a redemption episode on everything we were trying to do last <laughs> time. Because honestly, like I wish we could get playful about that episode. Like part One of me wants to be able to listen to that with you and laugh about it. Like me trying to rigidly explain. I think I get so embarrassed because I get so rigid. What? In that episode? Yeah. No, you don't. No, no. If anything, I'm the rigid one. You're trying to understand. I'm trying to explain a deep concept and I don't have a, a, a solid foundation for it. And you're, you're trying so hard just to follow <laughs> and I'm not doing a good job of explaining because I don't even know. I keep saying you're that. Lost. I keep saying that. I'm like, I don't know. You're like, this doesn't make sense. I'm like, it doesn't make sense to me either. I'm not some sort of, uh, so, so it's like, this is a redemption episode of like, I, I didn't expect for it to go that way tonight of it being rooted in object relations theory. And I guess if I were to sort of try an attempt at synthesizing a little bit of what you were saying, it's like, um, that, I think you're saying sort of in an empathetic way because this sort of started with me saying, oh, that person was anxious about the shortcut. Yes. And you're like, yes. okay, well, just think about the origin of our anxiety. Yes. This like this thing that we have to do, which is splitting and choosing between this depressive state and and what do you call it? Paranoid schizoid. P- paranoid schizoid. And somebody comes along and says, Oh, it's just so easy. Just be curious. And you're like, okay, well that, 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 that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. That's terrifying. Um, and honestly, one, something, one of my professors says, you actually can't even assume someone even has the paranoid schizoid, which like some people are at a pre object where there's no floor for experience. Oh, so it's like, you can't even assume we've even, had the, cause it's like, sure. We all grow up and probably had these things, but if you weren't mirrored in these places and you weren't held in them and you weren't given language to make sense of what you were feeling, then we have arrests in these positions. I know. And now I'm like be parents, parents were creating tyrants, like get, be, be, be we good parents. Kids. <laughs> Just don't have kids. Wants to be a play therapist for kids. <laughs> don't have kids. Also don't have kids, but also, uh, I'm thinking like it's good to have empathy and you know, when we talk about less certain, more curious, I'm, I'm constantly impacted by these chef's table episodes. You, you are, you I are. am. I, I watched many on my vacation. I'm like, I'm just going to keep letting myself be inspired because I, I, I think it's, it's like somebody saying, okay, I'm going to find the path. Somebody says, 
how can we help people be more curious? I'm like, we have this humble little podcast, but at the same time, I feel compelled to be like, how do we crack the code? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how do we make it less? You know, how do we get a really nice high definition camera to come in here and make this look as epic as it is? Oh, it is so epic. The place we record this podcast is the most epic spot. It's my favorite spot. It's epic. It's warm and beautiful and joyful and colorful and artful and uh, s- scruffy. You know, it's 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 just perfect. It's one of my favorite spots. But but all that to say, uh, how 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 can we do something to the universe? Do our little imprint of of appreciating all these things of like the mental blocks that people have about getting curious mm-hmm. and saying, it's not right, just exactly. about getting curious. It's not like just say, Hey, no everybody, shortcut, get curious. get curious. And people are no. like, I'd love to get curious, but right. But like how the fucking hardest thing <laughs> yeah. ever, it's really hard to maintain curiosity. Yeah. I think it's and one of the hardest things to do that gets under my skin in a good way. It's like that, that wants, that makes me want to wake up in the morning. That makes me want to wake up in the morning and answer that question of like, okay, true. How do we get curious? Play obviously is one of our answers. Mm -hmm. And here we are coming back. And I feel like I hear a noise outside. I think it's me shaking the table. Oh, (laughs) I know. I for a second thought I was like, Scott's hearing a noise. No, because you looked outside and I'm like, is there a raccoon? It's me. And there's that toast on the porch. And I'm like, a raccoon's coming. (laughs) People like, people like what? There's toast on the porch. That's a story. Everybody. Um, I think that has to be it for play this week. Everybody. Hopefully that did something for you. I think stimulated some thoughts in your mind. This might welcome a play part two almost even next week. We'll see. (laughs) But like we we can talk about play forever. Um, Thanks for listening. Uh, Here we are. We're back. I already plan on posting an Instagram post tomorrow that says back to our regularly scheduled scheduled program. So here we are. You can expect probably in the vibe that we're heading in right now, probably an even sillier episode next week. We're trying to get silly and light and playful. We're trying. Okay. Catch ya later.